Hello and welcome to Football Unfocused. Matt immediately started laughing um, as I said that because usually when he presses record, he catches me off guard with a little bit of uh, unscripted preamble. <laughs> Not that any of this is scripted. Uh, and uh, But the fact that I went straight into uh, hello and welcome to Football Unfocused has shocked you a little bit. Uh, but uh, don't speak yet, Matt, because I'm, I'm going to introduce you. Uh, this is a podcast. Uh, uh, we want to keep them guessing, mate. Uh, this is a podcast based uh, almost entirely on football, but our uh, opinions expressed uh, have no uh, value, credibility or standing in society. Uh, my name is Mark, and uh, please welcome a man who takes his football punditry inspiration from the utterances of Richard Madeley on Good Morning Britain. It's Matthew. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I was thinking about Richard Madeley before this podcast, um, and that was actually going to lead to my yeah, 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 yeah. But it's um, yeah, it was going to sort of lead into a question I was going to ask. Oh, so this was Richard Madeley chatting to Sam Allardyce and just sort of oh yeah, spouting absolute. You know, just... It's incredible. It's an incredible clip. If anyone <laughs> hasn't seen it, it's an amazing clip. Watching Susanna Reed's like Susanna Reed gritting her teeth as well, oh, and like the awkward smile, and Sam Allardyce just kind of looking down. And going, What's this shit? I'm having to listen to it. Who's this clown? <laughs> I can't quite remember what he says. It's something like, "Oh, I can't remember." No, he said, "Oh, you, the, it was it was along the lines of the England players were saying, no, you're not stopping me. I'm coming uh, through.'" And it was like. <laughs> Fucking hell! Like it's, it was, it was like it was like a, a middle class person who's never watched football before and yeah. was just think, but still felt kind of empowered enough to pass comment and to like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, offer some 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 punditry. It was yeah, yeah. fucking unbelievable. Yeah, it was like think- in the far show. They used years ago. They used to have a sketch where a guy. Uh, would turn up with a picnic hamper at the Arsenal in an Arsenal shirt and like <laughs> applaud the wrong team and like uh, call them like Arsenal United and stuff and like and he had like you know cheese and a bottle of Bollinger on the go and uh, <laughs> people around him were just going wanker and it, was, it was kind of like it reminded me of that yeah I think because a friend well I only saw it because a friend of ours forwarded on the tweet and and the and the caption was when your boss wants to talk about the football or something like yeah, that yeah yeah uh, i think it was me who forwarded it oh sorry <laughs> yeah, a friend of ours me <laughs> i've got so many friends i can't yeah yeah, yeah 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 you've got at least three <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah that's not including me by the way you know that's... no yeah yeah don't, yeah don't include yourself you can't be a friend to yourself matt who can you be a friend to <laughs> So I guess what I was going to ask is, obviously you're you're you know borderline obsessed with football, and and, and it's um, borderline obsessed you, to 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 an extent. You must possibly quite enjoy you know um, those around you sort of um, taking in the the joys of what England are currently doing in the Euros. But there must be a slight double-edged sword when you have to then listen to people that don't, you know, like me, really, that don't have a great insight into it mm. and just sort of giving their point of view. And do you, do you just think, oh, fuck, I'd rather go back to when actually it was just me and... I guess the equivalent... Well, the thing is, it's not like football's some minority fringe sport, is it? I mean, there's people, you know, even during the, the regular year... It's, a, yeah. it's the most watched and, and yeah, uh, sport. But, you know, you go to any working environment and there'll always be a group of people talking about football. 
Yeah, um, yeah. So it just, it's just that whenever there's a big tournament on England are playing, everyone is talking about yeah, it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, people who. But I, I'd say the, the proportion of people who know fuck all is probably no great. <laughs> don't don't make the mistake of thinking that just because someone watches football all year round that they their opinion has any value because the amount of shit that I have to listen to from people who should know better uh, is absolutely staggering. But yeah, it is it is a little bit like that. And as we've discussed, I think in the past, the the uh, the miserablest in me is always a little bit just like, oh, I don't want to share it with these fuckers. Like they, they've not put in the groundwork. Yeah. They don't deserve it. Uh, yeah, but yeah. less so, funny enough, less so on, um, less so with international <laughs> football because, because I don't, I, I'm, but by the way, I, for the, you know, I do want to reiterate, I, I'm now, you know, I've got really into this and I really want England to win it. But I, I would still say, and, and, and I know that this will be shocking to some people, but the joy that I will derive if England are to win the final on Sunday, by the way, we are recording this the day after the semi-final victory against Denmark. Um, and so they're, what, three or four days before the final. Uh, the, derive that, the, 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 the joy that I will derive if that is to happen would be probably on a par with Liverpool winning the League Cup. Yeah, the League Cup, or, or <laughs> the, the, the Rumbelows Cup in old money. Maybe the FA Cup. Actually, I might go as far as say the FA Cup, like because I love the yeah. FA Cup. So I'll be, I am delighted with Liverpool, but 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 I would never ever be able to begin comparing it to the feeling of uh, Liverpool winning the league or the Champions League. Like, it's just not in the same stratosphere, um, and uh, so as a result, I actually find it more frustrating when Liverpool do well and a load of twats jump on the bandwagon and, you know, start, like, commenting on that. And you just think, you really haven't got a fucking clue what you're talking about and, you know, nothing about the club. Like, like I remember um, back in 2005 uh, when we won the Champions League and all of a sudden uh, I noticed there were there were more people than used to be the case on the train journey from London to Liverpool on match days. And just walking through the train to get to a toilet or to, you know, buy something from the buffet car or whatever... And just like overhearing, just like world class knobheads talking shit, and just doing, and as I said before, like reading the Sun newspaper and things like that, and you just think, fuck. So I actually find that more irritating. With international stuff, it's like it's it's no different. So the Olympics are on in a few weeks' time, and you're going to get like you know um, fat blokes who haven't done any exercise in thirty years shouting run faster at like world-class athletes who are, <laughs> you know come on put some effort in or, or like all of a sudden we'll be experts on like the uh the kirin <laughs> or, or or you know pole vaulting oh your techniques are wrong and it's uh it's similar uh, to uh, it, it's not dissimilar i mean I, you know clearly with football it does get a little bit uh it does get a little bit hysterical but but then football is the game of the people and um maybe because I've watched all these games uh, from the comfort of my house I'm, and I've not been kind of out in the street or a big public place watching it. I haven't um, found it as kind of, you know, maybe slightly irritating as I normally would. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe I'd feel a little bit differently if, um, if we were out and about. But I think before we talk more about football, we do need to... We do need to just pause, really, uh, and just... Think, just spare a moment, maybe even just a moment's reflection or even applause for uh, the Member of Parliament for Ashfield, Lee Anderson, who made the noble, the noble gesture of, of stating very clearly 
before the tournament, it, not only would he not be um, support actively supporting the England football team juniors, he wouldn't be watching any of their games because, and I quote, they are supporting a political movement whose core principles aim to undermine our very way of life. I think the word our there is doing a lot of heavy lifting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Who are the we in his our? Yeah, what yeah, a yeah. fucking arsehole. Uh, so this is a man who is so engulfed by the uh, the fake Tory culture wars that he is thinking before the tournament that he's so fucking clever, I'm going to stir the pot even more. These people taking a knee and, uh, you know, fighting for social justice and equality, how fucking dare they? They're trying to undermine our very way of life. What does that mean? The right to put up statues of white slave owners. Yeah, that's what we need to fight for. And as a result of that, because these lads are showing some strength of character and some dignity uh, against adversity and, and, and not listening to the people who are trying to shout them down. I'm not going to watch it. And he's getting, he's getting, I mean, he's getting a lot of stick now. Then, <laughs> but, 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 but rest assured, he's, he's not, he's not backtracking. He said, uh, there's nothing to update. I stick by my comments three weeks ago. Well done. Well played. I hope it continues, but I won't be watching it. No. And then they said, "Have you looked on Twitter at uh, the the amount of uh, reaction that your boy, your one man boycott has got?" He said, "He doesn't go on Twitter because it is quote full of idiots." Lovely, <laughs> lovely stuff. The irony, the irony of a right wing politician saying that Twitter is full of idiots—the very idiots that these right wing ideologues rely upon to get elected in the first place by their scaremongering and their you know their spewing out of hateful. A hateful doctrine uh, that it, apparently it's full of idiots when it's uh, when it's people trying uh, uh, reminding him of his own uh, words and his pointless. Stuff. So I just think it's it's important to, to stop. Think of Lee Anderson. Remember him in your prayers and your thoughts, and just I just hope he's going to be okay. What was your favourite <laughs> thing about the game yesterday? Anyway, um, when when uh, so Jack Grealish was subbed on. And uh, and he did he did a couple of good things. Basically, he just he touched the ball and then got tackled um, in two successive incidents. And uh, the commentator said, "Oh, that's what Jack Grealish does. He's fantastic. You know what he does? He he sort of draws players in and he gets tackled. He draw, gets a foul, and uh, you know he is the most fouled player, um, top foul player in the Premiership for the last two seasons. Premier League." And, uh, Premier League and uh, and Lee Dixon goes, yeah, he falls over a lot as well, though. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, yeah. hang on, whose side is he meant to be supporting here? Yeah, I mean, he is right. That's it. He is though. Like, I hate that term that he's 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 good at drawing the foul, but it is true because what he is so good at releasing pressure because you can you can essentially yeah. give him the ball because he's a strong lad. You can give him the ball, and he's he's really good at sort of fending off the uh, the attempts to tackle him, but also making sure that their leg uh, gets tangled yeah, with his leg and yeah. he goes down, you know, and he's, uh, yeah, he is, yeah. he is absurd. Uh, Harry Kane's actually very good at that as well. Kind of underrated. He, the yeah. amount of time towards <laughs> the, end of, to the end of the game yesterday where he's basically yeah, getting yeah. the ball, running at a slight diagonal angle towards the touchline and then just, yeah. and then the slightest touch, bang, down like yeah. a ton of bricks. He was but, dry, driving in crackers, wasn't he? The, you know. The Danes, yeah. driving yeah. the Danes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the Danes, I mean, 
I've, I feel there is a part of me, and I know that uh, among our friendship group, Matt, we, we sort yeah. of discussed this a little bit last last night, that um, much as I think I think that England 100% deserved the win, I thought that other than that first half an hour where the Danes looked really dynamic, they essentially ran out of gas and for the rest of the game were just hanging on and didn't, didn't really have much attacking threat. Um, but they had tons and tons of spirit. But there's no doubt, like England, it was like wave after wave of attack, and I felt they they deserved to score. I just wish they'd scored a more <laughs> legitimate feeling goal. There's a little bit of yeah, a yeah. of a like, oh, wish yeah, it hadn't yeah. been a, such a soft penalty. I was, um, yeah, I was a bit surprised when the commentator and he did this to Gareth Southgate as well. He said to uh, Raheem Stone, he said, "So was it a penalty? You know, and I don't know." I, yeah, has a footballer ever said no to that question? Yeah, yeah, but also, and he was just like, he was kind of having to justify what was a very, very soft penalty. And it's just like, well, that's not for him to, you know. Have well, I, 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 I made the mistake I mean, of looking like, on the... And he said the, the um... same to Gareth Southgate. And Gareth was like, well, I haven't seen it again, but... You know, they, he, and he he just sort of and he gave a really good answer. He just said, "Well, he was causing him all sorts of problems all the way, all the way through." So, well, uh, the thing of... is, he is. I mean, that guy. Like, there are some Liverpool fans out there who are so um, overwhelmed and consumed by bitterness that they 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 <laughs> probably probably now six years after he left can't can't bring themselves to compliment Raheem Sterling. I am very much not in that camp. I I think he's a he's a an impressive individual in. In pretty much every conceivable way, and like his his character and his conduct over the last few years speak for themselves. His courage in speaking out on um, key issues and and just the example he sets, despite the fact that he has been unfairly and disproportionately demonised by the mm. right wing gutter press in this country for a long period of time. And I I have great respect. I think he's gone to, away to Man City and he's done an amazing job. I know he left Liverpool under a bit of a cloud, but these things happen in football. You have to be fucking grown up about it. At the end of the day, you know, they're, they're employees. He left one job to do another job. You know, oh, boo-hoo. And, like, and, and it wasn't like a lack of loyalty any more than it's a lack of loyalty when Liverpool sign a player from another club, you know? So that's just bollocks. But, but anyway, uh, that, but that side, he has been absolutely magnificent in every game. And he won that penalty by, you know, he's, he's in the, what, the he's been playing for a hundred odd minutes of intense, mm. um, like nervous um, football. And he's still just z- rapid. Z- like, I mean, he must be a nightmare to defend against. He's like slaloming through defenders. And he's bound to, you can't blame a referee for seeing the tangle of legs in shoe after that and, mm. uh, and giving a penalty. I was a little bit surprised that VAR didn't say, yeah, it was a bit soft, but... You know, people have been praising the VAR throughout the tournament for the way in which it makes speedy decisions uh, compared to the Premier League. And that, that is absolutely right. But I guess the price to pay for that is that unless they see something that is immediately available, available on the first or second replay that, that shows the referees made an absolute clangor, if there's any grey area, then they're going to stick with the rest decision. Um, and, you know, uh, people... Throughout the Premier League season, there are, there's there's people who are kind of saying that's the way we should do things. So I guess, you know, you have to stick with that. I'm saying that as if people are complaining about it. I don't think anyone's complaining about it, are they? I think no, the vast majority of people in this country couldn't give a shit how we got to the final. You know, um, they're you know very happy. But it, it, but it is it, but it is a bit harsh on on Denmark. And if I if we were we have to be honest, if it, if we'd lost the game mm-hmm. as a result of that decision, we'd be massively pissed off, and and probably rightly so. Um, but you know, 
There you go. Mm. What, what do you think about the fact that today um, England, the FA or England have been charged uh, with the fact that Casper Schmeichel, uh, some yeah. some uh, knucklehead in the crowd, was shining a laser in his face as Harry Kane was stepping up for the penalty? Whether he realised it or it had an impact, I don't know. And also, they're being investigated, I believe, for the booing of the national anthem, which, again, didn't feel quite as bad yesterday as it was for the German one, but it's still it's still the moronic behaviour of uh, primitive yeah. creatures, isn't it? I, I think I think of someone like my mum, and I'm sure she won't mind me saying, because she'll never listen to this. No. But if it was... If it was if if we were playing in China or Russia and it was the Russian fans or the Chinese fans booing the British national anthem, there would be absolute fucking pandemonium yeah. in this country about yeah. you know how they just have no sort of They're disrespecting the Queen. Yeah. Um, how dare they but, but but the fact that we're quite happily booing uh Denmark you know, the, Denmark. We're doing Denmark. the Danish national anthem. Yeah, you know, an, an yeah. amazing, inspiring country. A bunch of people, a, a bunch of players who have been the story of the tournament uh, in terms of their uh, reaction to losing their best player uh, and the way that they've recovered from that. And then the, yeah. the way to to deal with that, they turn up at, for a semi final at Wembley. Boom! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Great. great. And that'll, Pete, that'll show not Pete from anyone. Yeah, that was shown. Yeah, but yeah, I I just would have thought the commentator or some. Uh, yeah, I mean it was. Yeah, I, I they don't call it out enough, do they? They don't. I agree. They I know. Just, think, oh, yeah, they don't. I think they're so, probably. I'd imagine they. They're have, so shit scared. I reckon they have production meetings during the day, and they're because they're very aware that you know twenty thirty million people are going to be watching this, and they're so fixated with focusing on the kind of, you know, the good news story and nothing that's going to cause any controversy. Yeah. I think they what they essentially do is allow it to kind of, the, the footage to kind of speak for itself and not to pass comment on it. It's like the way that they've not, they've not really commented on any of the um, booing of the taking the knee throughout the tournament either, have they? Yeah, they've just, yeah. they've just sort of, they just gloss over it, which is what made it even more beautiful that Gary Neville, a man, I mean, this is a man who throughout his playing career was, number one in my list of players I despise the most in world football. I cannot begin to explain how much I hated him all the way through his playing career because he was like the most divisive um, uh, character because he was so partisan. He made his, he made his hatred of Liverpool absolutely abundantly clear. And he was like the most, um, he was, you know, he was, he, Every every single thing about him, he's got kind of snarling, uh, self-assured, arrogant, yeah. uh, uh, pleased with himself way that he conducted himself on the football pitch. And, and plus the fact he wasn't actually very good, and he was being like carried by the remainder. I mean, don't get me wrong, he was he was he was good enough, but you know, he wasn't he wasn't good enough to be the opinionated little twat bag that I used to think he was. But <laughs> you, you have to say that in his punditry is is exceptional and. Yeah. What he said uh, on live TV sh- very soon after the final whistle yesterday, when he essentially said that yeah. the leadership in this country over the last couple of years has been poor and that Gareth Southgate shows what leadership is about by showing humility and telling the truth. Oh, man, it's amazing. I love that he said that. It's beautiful. And it was it was perfectly worded. 
and I love the fact that people picked up on it, and it's it's amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing. Did did you did you actually hear that? Because you WhatsApped and you said, "Did he say that live on TV?" Yeah, did I think rewind it. I think I'd gone and get myself a glass of whiskey. Uh, so, so I missed it. So you... I've, I've rewound. Well, for a start, you oh, just, you rewound it. I rewound it, and then you just look at Twitter because people people go mad about it. Yeah, yeah, it was being yeah, retweeted. Was... They could because you can kind of do that a little bit more on on Sky. You know, he's always ranting. I mean, he's called out the government a number of times on Sky, yeah, made it quite yeah. clear what he thinks of uh, the Johnson regime. But to do it on a on a um, yeah. you know terrestrial telly on what will be, up until Sunday, the most watched um, um, TV event of the year. I love the idea of Johnson himself watching that and hearing that as well. Just think, <laughs> what's he blithering about? Well, Gareth Southgate is the, the, the polar opposite. He is the antidote to Johnson, you know? His, his leadership is based upon dignity and honesty and respect, all of those things, respect for your opponents, respect for your teammates, respect for your squad as a whole. It is on every single one of those levels, you can look at it and say that is literally the opposite of Boris Johnson, yeah. you know? And also, you know, I love the way that, I mean, Southgate, it's difficult. I think people of our generation, Matt, like Euro 96 was a very, um, um, it was a pivotal tournament for people our, our age because we were what fourteen when um, when that was on, and it was absolutely massive and and it really did grab everyone and 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 what's what's really quite probably quite difficult to comprehend now since we've hosted the Olympics and things are general we're, we're we're as a kind of nation I think a lot more kind of confident at, mm. in our place at the top sporting table. But I think uh, in 1996, we hadn't qualified for the previous World Cup. We were still emerging from the era of being shamed by sort of hooliganism, quite an amateurish um, sort of sporting outlook and Mm. stadiums that weren't that amazing to look at and all that sort of stuff. And out of nowhere, this team emerged that were playing amazing football, you know, we beat Holland for one and, Mm. you know, playing amazing, like not, not like, but, barging them off the pitch and doing the whole um, kind of, you know, physicality thing. Mm. But playing like people like um, you know, Gascoigne and uh, McManaman and Anderson and Sheridan and, and obviously uh, Shearer himself. But like for Southgate to then be the full guy at the end of that and to be so famous for it, um, as I think we discussed last week, you know, the, the, there's people who have missed... England have lost five or six penalty shootouts in uh, history. But because those... Those first two, 1990 and 1996, were um, were so dramatic. They were in semi-finals, mm. and it was probably still a bit of a novelty to lose uh, a penalty shootout. That you know, they to, to 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 miss the penalty then carries a level of fame that you probably I, don't get me wrong. If someone, if we lose a penalty shootout, the final on Sunday, whoever misses that penalty, whatever poor bastard misses that penalty, will be similarly famous. But aside from that, you know, all the other shootouts that we've lost, you. Unless you're really into it and can remember, most most people don't recall who who those people were, um, and uh, and Southgate has carried that. So to to go from being that guy to the man who potentially leads, well, he's already got them to the final, which is more than any other England manager since South Ramsey has done. So he's already uh, you know all, almost unsurpassed as as an England manager. But the idea that he could then actually win 
win the trophy. It's just amazing. And I can't think of a guy who could deserve it more because it's almost impossible to dislike him. And he's so, despite the fact that he has a, um, a, a kind of a persona of being this, this really polite, considered guy, such an inoffensive guy, he's got an, a core of steel. He is, he never um, just bows to public opinion for his selection. He's not afraid to leave players out of squads when they're not in, in form for their club or getting picked for their club. Even like high-profile players like uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Kyle Walker. Um, and what I think in doing that, what he's done is he has he has kind of re-established the privilege of being picked for England as a massive deal, a like a pinnacle of your career deal. Because I think for years it was devalued. It felt like they were handing out caps like confetti and you know, loads of sort of, you know, meaningless friendlies that players were desperate to pull out of, managed by uh, sort of unpopular characters who didn't really kind of get it. And I think Southgate does it, but he does it in a a really wonderful, quite inspiring way, an understated, modest way that isn't isn't really what you'd call the sort of the, the traditional English football style of the past, you know, the kind of all about fucking yeah whip them up for it and then and it's just really measured and intelligent yeah no i wasn't really thinking i was thinking more uh mike bassett uh but uh uh did you you ever seen mike bassett manager yeah it was a film starring ricky tomlinson you know him out of the royal family yeah from about 2002 i've never actually saw the film but I've listened to an episode of Quickly Kevin, which is an excellent podcast where they did a, like a deep dive of uh, uh, Mike Bassett, England manager, and it sounds absolutely fucking incredible. <laughs> there's a, there's a, he's essentially taken. A, he's, a, he's a guy who's been like over promoted and ends up taking England to the World Cup for some surprise reason. What is this? A no, real it's person? a film. No, it's a film. Mike Bassett oh, played it's... by Ricky Tomlinson, Jim Royal from the Royal right. Family. Oh, and, right, uh, okay. and and there's a, yeah. If you look it up on YouTube, What's the there's film a called Mike Bassett, England manager. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it, there's a, I wonder why you didn't react when I said Mike Bassett. You'd never even fucking heard of the film. But, but, <laughs> but that's the kind of old school. Him like if you go on YouTube and just look at like the Mike Bassett halftime clip, it's him losing his rag, and it's just like every word is like bleep 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 bleep. We're losing to the effing whatever. I think it's Mexico or something like that, and like. Uh, and that that kind of rabble rousing uh, approach to football, again, couldn't be more different to, to Southgate. And that and that that's in love with what we were saying last week. You know, you kind of talked me round in a lot of ways last week to to be really into this and to be desperate for England to win. And your take, I think, was absolutely right in that support them because they are going against the the the, the twats. You know, they've got the balls. <laughs> Well, they've got the balls to continue to take the knee. They've got a manager who, you know, won't play the game in the same way that, you know, some of the some of the more populist types would have done in the past. You know, there's so much to admire. Plus, they're an ethnically and culturally diverse uh, squad that reflects modern Britain as well. So, you know, if only... Um, there's a there's a there's a uh, guy who presents the world football phone in on Five Live uh, called Dotan Adebayo, and he's of um, uh, Nigerian heritage, and he said that 
he's like when he first came to this country and for quite a few years he had a spell I think in Sweden as well and then he, he came back again and he said he was always made whenever it came to like international tournaments he felt so kind of excluded like England or Britain or whatever wasn't for him when it came to you know you you can't be involved in this 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 isn't for you that's the way he always felt and he said that really changed he said on Euro 96, he said Euro 96, it just felt like we were a much more open, optimistic, sort of caring place. And despite, you know, clearly there are faults and problems with society that we could discuss all day long. But he said uh, the other day, and it, you know, I really thought about this. He said, when I saw them taking a knee and being booed for taking a knee, it made me want them to win more than ever. He said, I went from being keen for them to win to being desperate for them to win. And it's so true. And like, you know, we talk about that, that, you know, slug of a human being, that Tory bastard Lee Anderson. Like, you know, some the fact that somebody like him, he will never be able to take any... You know how, like, politicians often like to associate themselves with sporting success, even though it's nothing to do with them? He will always be a guy that's a stamp of history against him there. He will, he will always be, oh, you're the twat who said he wouldn't watch England, aren't you? Like, it's fantastic. It's beautiful. Yeah. Did you want to... Mention Italy. Um, yeah, lovely country. Lovely country. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you've watched the Euros now. What do you think? What do you think? Like, genuinely, if you had to, you know, and you're a man who is, uh, shall we say, careful with his investments. If you were down to your last fiver and I said, who, who, who's your money on for Sunday's game? Where's it going? Yeah. Well, I, I I had a look. Um, I don't know. I, I must have missed. Uh, my eyes aren't very good, but I was looking at who Italy beat um, to get to uh, the semi-final, and I was like, oh, they haven't played that many tough teams. You know, Switzerland, Wales, Austria. I was like, you know, then they got to Spain, and and obviously they gave them a you know. The last two games have been against Belgium and Spain. Yeah, and then that's I mean, pretty I was like, Oh, it's Belgium. Yeah, that that was quite an impressive. Yeah, who were ranked the world number one team? Yeah, so. and and. Yeah, they um, they they were dominant in that game, and um, but not against Spain though. I thought Spain were really unlucky. Yeah, Sp- Spain yeah. dominated large chunks of that game, and and not just the ball, but also some key chances. And if Spain had had a better quality centre forward, uh, they could well have won that game. Mm. So I think that was the first time that Italy looked genuinely fragile, and a little bit sort of physically spent as well. So it will be interesting to see whether the additional day's rest that they've had will have had an impact and whether that's enough to mitigate the, mm. you know, the, the lack of track. I mean, we, because we, um, I think when we last recorded, it was before the quarterfinals, wasn't it? So we haven't been able to reflect on the fact that all four quarterfinals, all four semi-finalists were teams that had played all their group games in their home countries. Um, that can't be a coincidence. No. So in a lot of ways, I'm glad that they're never going to do this experiment with the Euros again of just having it all over the the, the continent because it's so, it's so outrageously unfair. Mm. It's just not it's not fair at all. So 2024 Germany bringing on and go back to the traditional model of having everyone in the same place and the most you would have to do is to go from the top end to the bottom end of that that host country rather than crossing the bloody entire continent. It's, it's outrageous. But but. Um, it shouldn't really, you'd like to think it shouldn't make any difference now, seeing as Italy have been over here and they've played the semi-final and the final um, at Wembley. So, yeah. I th- yeah. 
I mean, I so, guess, so, so, not, so who's not, your money on? Who's your money yeah, on? Yeah, so not, not wanting to necessarily cover up for my lack of uh, footballing insight. I think not if, that, if that. England are going to do it, <laughs> if England are going to do it, it will be it will be based on the fact that they're they're pretty fit. They look pretty. Yeah, fit, very, right? very fit. And and they've got home support. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Don't laugh that down. I mean, I think that's perfectly valid. I think that's no, perfectly valid. Okay, okay. You've got to look at what I... the edge is going to be. I think there are there are certain areas where Italy are probably slightly more dangerous than England, and it's about whether whether what England have got stacked in their favour is, is enough to mitigate that. And that home support is. But don't forget, there was a. Li- I really noticed this. There was a little spell when Denmark went ahead and England were looking a little bit wobbly, where it felt watching on TV. And I'm always careful to say yeah, watching on TV because, as a man who spends uh, much of his uh, free time going to football matches, I find it so irritating when people try and tell you what the atmosphere was like at a game that you were at. You go no fuck off. You've heard a you've heard a version of that that's come through a TV cable. Like I was in the fucking ground. So I'd rather somebody who was actually in the stadium, you know, um, made a, made an observation like this. But it felt like the crowd were getting a bit edgy and started to turn a little bit. And like when a player gave the ball away, there was more groaning and stuff than had been the case. And Pickford was looking a bit. Um, edgy for the first time, playing more like the Everton Pickford than the England Pickford, and uh, and the crowd were getting a little bit restless. So it can actually work against you if you don't start. If you go behind, and then the people's desperation for you to win quickly turns into negativity. And um, you know, we all know there are some, there are certain football clubs out there, many of which seem to be for whatever reason based in the uh, the London area area that are that are kind of renowned for the negativity of their supporters and the impact that can have on their players and how it can drag them down and put too much pressure on them and uh you kind of don't want that for England so I think it's important that England if they're going to have a spell of the game where they're kind of up against it that that's as short-lived as possible because otherwise because the Italians 100% will be that one of their key objectives will be shut the crowd up and make the crowd turn on them, or make them edgy. Make turn the crowd into an asset for us rather than an asset for England. Uh, that's kind of what they'll they'll say. I mean, I, but I think there's some similarities actually in the team in that that you know Italy for as long as I can remember have been a team dominated by players from Juve and the two big Milan clubs. And they've now got a, a sprinkling. I mean, there's even a couple of Sassuolo lads in the uh, squad and the team. And it's it's brilliant. And I think that, you know, you look at that England have a, a central midfield pairing from Leeds and West Ham. So there's 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 kind of similarities there. They're, they're both pretty damn solid at the back. Don't let in many goals. I've got a lot of dangerous attacking players moving forward. England's strength in depth could have an impact. You know, I do. I always feel that England are in the tournament a, a, a side that are able to improve their performance by bringing on fresh, top quality players that are at least as good as the people they're they're replacing. Whereas you look at Denmark, for example, yesterday. Once they kind of ran out of energy, they were then replacing 
uh, first teamers with in- inferior players so they didn't have the strength in depth and before you know it they're kind of camped in and just holding out for penalties so I'm not saying that of Italy like, I think I mean Italy are absolutely formidable and they've gone was it 36 games or something unbeaten I mean, that is unbelievable and I know that people will say that some of them were qualifying matches against weaker nations true but a lot of them weren't and you know they're 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 really onto something, and they'll miss Spinazzola. I think they missed Spinazzola the other day, and the poor guy's shame he got that uh, injury uh, in the quarterfinal. But um, ah, oh, I, I personally couldn't call it like you, you know. I, really, Do you, go on. If I you... well, the the as I've said to you uh, in the past, my um, my approach to when Liverpool have got a big game or any game, in fact. Is I, I see danger everywhere, and I'm, I'm I'm I prefer to kind of play it down. So like we'll be, you know, I think I said on on, on a previous podcast that we'll, I'll be like on the way to Anfield for like a a home game against Bournemouth, and I'll be like, yeah, they're going to do us. I can just feel it. They're going to do us. And like, so I'm not I'm not one of these, you know, um, gob on a stick uh, that that Sky get outside the ground. And go, hey, it's going to be five nil today. Yeah, let's uh, slaughter. Bring it on. I'm not, not like that at all. Like you know, the idea of predicting uh, victory for the team that I'm supporting on the day is is completely alien to me. I would never, mm. never do that. Don't want to be. You know, I think it's, why, why be that guy? Um, but and I, and, I, and, I, and I hate this idea that you're being somehow like negative or un, or unpatriotic or something. If you if you kind of think that you might lose, no, you're just being mm. you're being realistic. You're being cautious, and it makes actually winning even more. Brilliant, um, because you're 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 all that that sort of anxiety and, and and fear before the game is released. But I do, I think the reason the reason that I, at the moment as things stand, feel that Italy might well win, is just because I can't imagine England winning a tournament because no. it's so unprecedented in our lifetime. I just can't imagine the witnessing England. Beating Italy and lifting a, a trophy, whereas Italy, that they're the sort of team that wins stuff, aren't they? You 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 see Italy lifting World Cups and getting to finals, and you think, yeah, they're, they're, that's what a that's what a team that wins the Euros <laughs> or the World Cup looks like. Whereas yeah. they don't normally look like Harry Maguire. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> so, but there's no doubt. Like England have got absolutely nothing to be. Um, scared yeah. of, you know, they've been so good all the way through the tournament, and the only, they haven't, you know, they still haven't, they, they conceded a goal, but they haven't conceded a goal from like open play. It was a set piece, brilliant strike yeah, from Denmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, you know, they're solid at the back. They're dangerous going forward, and they've got brilliant players in pretty much every every position. Um, but you can you can say that Italy, if they do end up winning, they they haven't deserved it. I mean, to a beat Belgium. Spain, and then yeah. if they go, or even Austria, England, Austria are decent and gave them yeah. a really tough game. And, then, yeah. and if they beat England at home yeah, at Wembley, yeah, you know, oh yeah, like, well, fair yeah. play, and yeah, and exactly. it will, and England will have still had a brilliant tournament, and should yeah. they then be confident going into the World Cup, which for you know obvious reasons is now only a year rather than two years away, and that that's going to be really fascinating actually. Whether regardless of whether England win, whether the momentum having got to a World Cup semi final. And then a European Championship final, and be winners or runners up at least. How that transmits into the next mm. World Cup, the the kind of key variable being the conditions they're going to be playing that World Cup, and also the time of year. It's going to be a Christmas World Cup. Theoretically, that should massively favour the European-based players because they're 
they're used to playing international tournaments at the end of a season when they're absolutely exhausted um, and sort of you know running on their last reserves of energy. Whereas they're going to be playing it when they're they're at their physical peak before the the sort of New Year fatigue really kicks in. So, but they are going to also be playing in about forty degree heat. So, what impact is that going to have? Can you know? Can the sort of you know uh, the, the lads from Yorkshire in the side? Who you know? I mean, they were wilting in the sun in the first game against Croatia when we when we were actually having a summer over it. Yeah. And um, and you imagine them playing in Qatar, but um, but it will be interesting because England should really now be going into tournaments with a team that have got a track record of achieving big things and going in as one of the favourites. Can you imagine that going into a World Cup and thinking they could actually win the World Cup? Yeah, but you know, obviously France. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You look at, I mean, yeah, there are. I don't entirely buy into this narrative that everything's kind of forward into place and it's England have had a, had a, had a, an amazing run of it all the way through in terms of luck. Because any tournament, big teams get knocked out earlier than you expect. And it's just the way, you can't control the way the, the chips fall. And I'm sure if you look back on the French run to the uh, final um, uh, a few years back, uh, there's probably at some point when they could have played a more difficult team. Although, just thinking else on my head, they did play Argentina and uh, Belgium in knockout games, and that's two pretty pretty tough tough matches. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, Sunday is, is, is very, very difficult. I'm, but I am really looking forward to it, and I can't wait to watch the game. And that's, again, one of the benefits of... Um, of not caring quite as much as I would if this were like a, a Liverpool final in that I derive zero enjoyment from the 90 minutes of watching Liverpool. It's just pure tension and, and hell until the final whistle goes. Whereas I'll actually be able to, because I'm a little bit more relaxed about it, I'll actually be able to really just appreciate the game of football with England. And, and if they yeah. win, fantastic. And I'll be really, really happy. And if they don't, I'll sleep all right that night. <laughs> I'll be disappointed. I'll be disappointed and sad for them, but I'll yeah. I know that I'll I'll be all right. <laughs> Will you be all right, Matt? Will you be all right? I think I think I think I'll be okay. You'll yeah. get through. Yeah. I'll get through. I said then I can focus back on Spurs again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they got you've got a manager now, so the sky's the limit. You know, yeah, you've got, well, yeah, a, manager. Yeah, you got yeah. a manager. He's got an impressive beard. You know what? What could what could go wrong? You know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. he turned Wolves into a team that were almost pathologically incapable of scoring in the first half of any match. Uh, so he could do the same at Tottenham, given time. Um, that you, you, they're, yeah. they're, they're to dream. Um, yeah. I, I said some of your questions that you think that England are going to win. The way that you were oh, sort of saying, no, what, no. What you think Italy will win? Y- yeah, yeah. Do you? Is that just caution telling you that? No, Italy have been just. We we spoke about that. I'm sure we spoke about this previously. How good Italy have been? Yeah. So so dangerous. Um, they are. You you mentioned they, I can't remember the striker Imo. What's his Immobile. name? Immobile. You you did mention that that they that their striker probably wasn't quite as good as he, you know, as they could be. But if you took this current Italian team, removed Immobile from the forward line, and replaced him with uh, Baggio, Christian Vieri, Del Piero. Totti, even Luca Toni from the 2006 World Cup, somebody of that calibre, Viali, 
Mancini himself, then then I think we're talking about a team that you'd look at and say, how the fuck are we going to beat them? But I, I feel that it's quite quite similar to Spain. In that I feel that, that that's what those two teams lacked. Just one top-class striker. But having said that, uh, Federico Chiesa is pretty special. He's, and he's really growing into the tournament. He scored a great goal the other day. I always go to call him Enrico because... We're all children of the nineties, and uh, I see. I don't know, Matt. You almost certainly have no idea who Enrico Chiesa is, but uh, you know he was uh, he was a big deal in in nineties Italian football, um, and uh, he is father of Federico Chiesa, and they look remarkably similar as well. Um, you know, you're getting old, didn't you? When there's loads of players that are sons of players that you were watching when you weren't even that young when you were watching them. <laughs> like We're not talking about the son of someone who was playing when I was five. We're talking about the son of someone playing when I was 18. Uh, and they're, they're, now, they're now more famous than the dads who no one can remember apart from people who are in their <laughs> late 30s and above. But hey, um, yeah. So, all right, we'll call it a day there then, Matt. So the next time, yeah. the next time that anyone hears this podcast, England... Or Italy will be the European champions, um, and well, that, that's it. No, nothing else. Will, <laughs> nothing else will have changed of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark Cavendish might have won another stage of. Uh, so he might have beaten Eddie Merckx's record. You know, what's the bigger uh, deal? Yeah, what's yeah, the bigger yeah. deal? Mark Cavendish yeah. beating Eddie Merckx's all-time stage victories record at the Tour de France, or England winning the European Championship for the first time in the country's history. What's the bigger deal, Matt? I, I, gen, I genuinely think it would depend on who you asked. Probably no shit. You ask Mark Cavendish. <laughs> you might say. You might say <laughs> Mark Cavendish might say Mark Cavendish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you ask Gareth Southgate, he might say. He might say the England football team. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but it's a good, fascinating a good insight. One. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's no doubt. Actually. Je- well, we will finish on on the bombshell that um, you know, in a week in which England have reached the final of a major tournament, Mark Cavendish is on the verge of becoming the most successful stage winner in the history of the uh, world's most famous and prestigious road race. Uh, Roger Federer lost a set six love at Wimbledon for the first time since he was, uh, I think, in his first or second year in the tournament in the early two thousands. And the entire England cricket squad had to pull out of a uh, uh, one-day international series because of um, uh, a COVID outbreak. So now they're essentially starting a series today against Pakistan with an entire squad of like debutants and squad players. Um, But the story that we're all we're all waiting for, biting our nails, and now we know that the new host of Question of Sport is Paddy McGuinness, and it doesn't get any bigger than that. In out of so Max and doing, Paddy. Yeah. Is, is he doing Top Gear as well still? Yeah. Well, Top Gear and a question oh, of sport. Yeah. Who needs... I mean, he's... If and Take Me Out? I mean, I don't know about that. Isn't that the one where they say, like, likey let or... The, yeah, it, let the... Let the something meet the other thing. Oh, what, yes. I'm going to really ham up my Comic-Con Northern accent. Let the dog see rabbit. Let dog see rabbit. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean... If he has demonstrated anything in his uh, presenting of Take Me Out and Top Gear, it is sporting integrity. So he is the perfect host for a question of sport. 
You know, yeah. Sue Barker, former French Open winner, uh, Paddy McGuinness. It's a natural yeah. evolution. I see what they were thinking there. And on that bombshell, Arriva Derpchi, everybody. See what I've done there? I've ended with an Italian thing. That's a spirit of openness. Arriva Derpchi. <laughs> it's one on yeah. one. Goodbye. Oh, <laughs>